Welcome to the Chair Yoga Podcast with me, Maria Jones. Knowledge and inspiration for teaching and practicing chair-based yoga. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Chair Yoga Podcast. Today we speak to Rodrigo Souza about adaptive and accessible yoga for wheelchair users. Rodrigo himself suffered a spinal cord injury in 2014 after fall and has been studying and practicing mindfulness and adaptive yoga to help him deal with muscle spasticity, chronic nerve pain, anxiety and many other secondary conditions that the injury has brought to him. Through direct personal experience with traumatic injury and chronic pain and discovering the need to take care of his recovery to optimize long-term well-being, Rodrigo decided to become a yoga teacher and teach from his own experience. He also runs a non-profit organization called Ali Hopa Brazil to make yoga more accessible to marginalized groups in Brazil and also teaches newly injured folk in an active rehabilitation non-profit center in Sweden. He received his adaptive yoga certification training under Matthew Sanford, the leading pioneer and Jedi of the adaptive yoga world. He is focused on creating a supportive community for those who have experienced trauma and disability through adaptive yoga. The episode today is an edited recording from the live interview that I had with uh, Rodrigo. So I hope you enjoy it very much. So thank you very much for arranging that and for sharing your knowledge about yoga for wheelchair users. How are you doing today? Hello, Maria. I'm good. I'm doing very good. It's like the sun is shining. It's a bit warm, but it's a lovely day. It's a lovely beginning of the week. Cannot complain. Thank you so much for the invitation. Talking about making yoga accessible for wheelchair users. I, I think it's an important topic that I'm very passionate about. It is, and it is one, in my experience, because I do chair yoga training for yoga teachers, and having a wheelchair user sometimes does put them in a bit of a spin. What do you do, especially if there's very little leg mobility? And we've got to understand that it isn't just about the poses. It is just about empowering people when they turn up to the classes. So sharing all that experience is important for both of us and everyone listening today. So thank you so much for coming on. What brought you into this place of teaching yoga? I read your bio a little bit, but we would like to know a lot more about you. I didn't decide to be a yoga teacher. A yoga teacher was something that was was presented, was gifted to me. I used to live in London and like a few years ago when I was in, in my middle 20s and then I got into Bikram Yoga while I was living there. I used to love to practice twice a week sometimes, but then I moved to Sweden and I stopped practicing for a while. I did my own spiritual practice. I meditate a lot, mindfulness, but I put a yoga on the side and 2014, I fell, I had a fell accident. I acquired a spinal cord injury. I'm paralyzed from the chest down, I broke my back. And in the rehabilitation center, my physiotherapist at the time, she was showing me some movements that I could do in, in, in bed to decrease my spasticity. And I realized that some of the moves she was teaching me, I have already learned when I was doing Bikram yoga. And I was like, well, this is yoga. And, I was, and then she was like, oh, I'm not too sure about it, but like, let's do it. And I was like, 
as soon as she left the room, I pick up my computer and then I just like Google like wheelchair yoga or wheel or yoga for paraplegics, something like that. And then I got in touch with Muffel Sanford from Minnesota, from Mind Body Solutions. And then I started studying with him. I was so lucky that I got into adaptive yoga like two weeks right after my accident. So it was like a very important tool that I had to help me deal with my current situation that wasn't very beautiful at the time, wasn't very pleasant, I must say. Anyway, time passed by and one day I was working in this rehabilitation center as a mentor uh, in 2018. And uh, I had some people complain to me that they had spasticity and nerve pain. And I, out of the blue, decided to give them a class, even though I wasn't certified or anything. I just say, listen, I've been studying this with this guy. He works for my body and my work for your tooth. I had paraplegics in the class, about 10 of us. I run a class of 45 minutes and was the, the most significant thing I have done in 33 years, years of life. I get emotional every time I go back there because I remember the feedback that the people gave to me after the class and I said, Rodrigo, they were all newly injury folks. So there was, they have gone through heavy trauma. And some of them told me this was the first time that I actually been in my body since my accident. Because being in your body after you go through trauma like that is not something that you want to be because your body reminds of you things that you can no longer do. You just get to distract yourself, take drugs, morphine to decrease the pain and baclofen to decrease like spasticity, And you're just anywhere but in your body. And hearing that from my peers that day, I just like, I went to the bathroom just close to the room I was in, and then I started crying. And I was like, wow, you cannot turn your back to what has been given to you, Rodrigo. You got to be a yoga teacher. There is nothing else that you could do that is going to bring you the sense of purpose and the same time of the sense of responsibility because people need to know that the practice of yoga slash mindfulness can be beneficial for them as long as it, as much as it was for me. So that's how. And then I got in touch with Mafio Sampler again. He has been teaching me his adaptive yoga workshops. I've taken them all. I've been through YTTs and trainings. And here I am now. It's been one year, basically, that I am a yoga teacher. Certified. So, like, I'm very fresh. I'm still developing a lot of things, you know. I think living with a condition, whatever that is, uh, teaches you a lot more than... Any teacher training, in my opinion. Yes, um, yes. Nobody actually will ever doubt anyone's experience that comes from personal practice. And in fact, every teacher training that we do, they tell us that the personal practice is the most important aspect of our teaching. And there is a very good reason for that. So yeah, we shouldn't be apologetic about maybe even teaching before we got certified or sharing yeah. knowledge before we get those stamps it is sharing knowledge and yeah. that cannot really be kept for ourselves it'll be a little bit selfish to keep it for ourselves we can help other yoga teachers we can help each other yeah. we can help other people who are struggling with the same condition so yeah i think it is amazing that you are doing what you're doing so from that experience can you share some tips that yoga teacher in our audience can use to teach people using wheelchair in their classes i think when you teach someone that uses a wheelchair there is no much science behind it it's basically chair yoga 
But the main difference is that you're going to approach in a more human way. You're going to see the human first. So when you get out of YTTs, we are very rigid with our mind. We start teaching maybe, I don't know, vinyasa flows or doing the same thing for 15 people and like 20 different people and everyone following the teachers. With adaptive yoga, my main tip would be to teach whoever is in front of you. Learn about your students. Learn about the conditions. Learn about them. Hey, how are you? How are you feeling today? Because generally, a lot of wheelchair users, that's not the fact that they cannot walk, but it's like they deal with chronic pain, they deal with chronic fatigue, they take medications that give them like a lot of side effects. So you need to be curious and you need to have this sense of exploration to be open and meet your student where they are. At the moment that they are, how are you feeling today? Shall we have a more physical practice or a more meditative practice? We'll get to know what is the student's limitation, what is their ability, and what you can work with. Not be just limiting yourselves that oh, he cannot do or she cannot do that. Create something that is, is going to make your students be in their bodies more often and have the sense of exploration. I think that is the main tip. I agree with you because I have had people on wheelchairs in my classes and it is very important to teach the person in front of us uh, every day is different, especially every week is different. Mm -hmm. But even from hour to hour, something may affect them when we are teaching. So we need to be intuitive is the word, I don't know, observant. Yeah. Intuitive, all those things matter. And, and also, Maria, open. Bring your student to the practice. There is not a teacher-student relationship. We are just practicing yoga. Shall we explore your body today? Notice how you feel. Bring your student back all the time, you know. I feel good. Oh, I feel a bit tired now. Okay, let's do more pranayama instead of that. Okay, bring this together. That's why I think that it's like when you practice adaptive yoga, it's very hard to, to have more than, I don't know, 10, even five or seven students in a class because you're not going to have the attention required for every student to make the class move in the same direction. It's a very hard thing to do if you have a lot of people. So it's like adaptive yoga is something that is, it should be taught for a very specific group of people, just not in a, in a large amount. Expand a little bit more on that, on the approaches that you use to teach people in wheelchairs in your classes. When I teach community classes online, I, I have seven students max to take the class because I want to make sure that one is well looked after. If it's more than that, it, it becomes very difficult. Let's say that one student has multiple cirrhosis and another student has a quadriplegia. So it's like the ability is completely different. So for you to cue, a class to the same group of the students. You need to be very aware. Okay, you now gonna do this. You now gonna move that. It's a challenging thing to do. When you teach in person, one-to-one, it's easier because you get to know your students much faster. So you work with what they have. When I teach in the rehabilitation center that we have five to seven people in an in-person environment, it's even easier because you get, you get the feedback straight away and the feedback it's 
It's something non-verbal that you can actually see if the person is there or not. So it's, it's much easier than when you teach online. So it's many different approaches, but it's always based on the student, where they are. You meet them there. You don't bring them to your practice. You see how they are, how they're feeling, then you bring the practice to them. That is the approach. Yeah. Yeah, which, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Which I talked in my workshop as well about that, which is something that is very given and gratifying. Like, I learn so much from my students. I always learn more than I teach, <laughs> especially when you see them being more confident with themselves, you know, developing self-compassion, self-care. And oh, this is so beautiful. But it's like, unfortunately, when we work with this population, it's not the fact that you should have a one-on-one or a very few people in your class. And the fact that most of people with disability nowadays, they live off benefits. It's not a very profitable job to do, to teach yoga for folks with disabilities. It's like, you cannot just fill a whole studio with 20 students and just charge them. It's something that I'm trying to do to empower yoga teachers to at least once a week create a class in their schedule to serve this population because they really need. And there's no money on it. It's difficult, but it's like, what you're going to get back from it? It's something that's going to make you a so much better teacher, going to make you a better person, and you're going to be satisfied for what you're doing. Yeah, the currency suddenly becomes something different than, shall we say, money. Yeah, clearly. Connection and love, gratitude and filling up hearts with that that energy. It's a very rewarding thing to do in that kind of sense. I spend quite a lot of the time emailing people going, can I have some money please to run my classes? (laughs) Can I have some funding or in close partnership with the well-being, but we have something called the well-being partnership here in the UK and every area has one where and that might be useful actually for yoga teachers teaching those populations, which is why I'm mentioning it. It bridges between the city council and the NHS, our healthcare system. So they, the wellbeing partnerships are the bridge between the two and they want to bring all those interventions like yoga, exercise, physiotherapy, holding space for people to meet because us holding the space and bringing people together is almost as important as the yoga itself because a lot of people who are chronically ill or on wheelchairs can be quite isolated in my experience so yeah. that is an important parameter also yeah, yeah. to pay for the room that you're hosting the class in mm. is important also all those things coming together so i seem to spend quite a lot of time (laughs) speaking to people well-being partnerships or the council or charities i know where you're coming from i do do that all the time that is the love talking right there and a beautiful aspect that you brought it mentioning it's like generally folks who use wheelchairs they have its ability and to have its ability it's a very lonely experience because we rely a lot of on a structural accessibility and we don't tend to have many activities going on you know i noticed that some of my students the only activity they have sometimes in a day or even a week is to take part in my class and my class somehow become even a support group they talk to each other we talk we discuss things that is not even yogic related 
And to have a space where you're going to welcome these folks, you're going to offer them a physical improvement on their well-being, but it's like also a, a mental aspect of it is enormous. Just someone to be able to get out of the houses or have something to do. It's so beautiful, especially when you hear them, them tell you that. No one buys this feeling. It's worth all the emails that you send and the calls that you make. There's a great reward to be made, shall we say, when you're teaching these populations. But the currency is not money. Let's just be clear. There. Definitely not. Definitely I love not. doing it. I love meeting people. My heart is full. They're my friends. Mm. There's strong connections with the people that we teach. And as you said at the beginning of this interview, this is important for our teaching as well. When we teach, we get to know our students the best we can. And overall, on a day-to-day -day basis, on a week-to-week -week basis, however often we see them. So yes, all those things are the things that we must consider as yoga teachers. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so obvious to say that wheelchair yoga is chair yoga, but what other role do you think the chair plays in the delivery of your classes, in the delivery of your workshops, on in the yoga that you teach? I use chair yoga as a base because I am in a wheelchair. But uh, the same practice depends on the person you are teaching. It can be done on the mats, uh, sitting, or it can be done in, in the beds, and someone can get the same benefits. So you can even teach high-level quadriplegics that doesn't have any muscular action and paralyzed from the neck down. They can visualize the practice and they can get the benefits out of it as well. It's something that we use the principles of chair yoga, but we adapt it depending on our students' ability. We start in the chair. If someone feels comfortable to move to the floor or to go to the bed, depending on how they feel, they'll just be open to, to take your students and yourself where the practice goes. Not be stuck like, oh, this should look this way, but this, no. You know, that is, it's yeah. how it feels, yes. I know exactly. you have been more able, fine, yeah. and maybe yeah. less able. So again, I think that the chair is that in-between place. The chair is that middle ground, that familiar prop. So exactly. Say. I have taught some students at the rehabilitation center. They have gone through spinal cord injury, but they have incomplete injury. Incomplete injury is when the spinal cord is not severed. They're still together. So it's like the person can regain something. So they can stand up or they can walk. It's very different than a complete injury that the person is completely paralyzed from the injury level down. So some of the students, sometimes they tell me, Rodrigo, I, I feel good today. I'm going to practice like half of it standing up. And during Chavasana, they just lie down because they feel more grounded. They just go around with what they have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no other way actually to do it. It's almost common sense. What we are talking about here is very much common sense. It's just that the picture that we see of yoga in the media, even here on Instagram, <laughs> is that of beautiful poses and tell me about it and it's frustrating because that's to me that's really gymnastics but that's a completely different conversations that we should be having between it's them. a very frustrating thing maria because uh, people who has its abilities we are like the largest minority in the planet like we're like 15 percent of the population we are talking about like one billion people with mobility shoes if you are 65 years plus older this number is even higher and when i scroll around instagram i feel so lonely there because not many people is practicing yoga in a wheelchair 
I know that in UK, we have like Ben Clark and Nina. We have few folks in the US. I can count in my both hands how many yoga practitioners out there there is. If we are almost 15% of the population, where are we? Yeah. Because it seems so intimidating when you see someone putting the feet outside of, at the back of your neck and, and doing gymnastics. That's, we think that yoga is not for us. But this is something that we are changing. It doesn't even include those with injuries, like knee injuries and wrist injuries, or people with osteoporosis, as you said, older adults, and yeah. people who have other conditions that stop them from getting down to the floor. Yeah. They are not represented in any shape or form. Even bigger bodies, which are perfectly able bodies, even those bodies are not represented. No. And sometimes the extra space that the chair can provide in a forward bend, for example, is needed. Yeah. Why not? It isn't a competitive sport. Reaching your toes is not going to make you happier, shall we say. Enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> so... There's so many things that are just not seen on the media. In fact, you don't even see the typical mat-based yogi on <laughs> Instagram. Sorry. A different conversation. Sorry. So tell me, what is your takeaway from our discussion today so that we can finish on this beautiful note between us? I'm really grateful for you to actually open this space of conversation and discuss these things with me because I think that change comes from this. We are slowly creating some change here towards a more diverse yoga place in the world so to see people yeah. with disabilities out there, teachers teaching them. I think this is the main thing that I pick up from it, it's like a, a sense of gratitude to be here talking about it. Because we need to get this out there, we need to make it more and more.